Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. It's a Monday. That means we have the honor of having Father Charles Murr join me. And I always enjoy it. And I know you do too, our listeners. Father, thanks again for coming on board today. Well, I've got a surprise for you, oh, Terry. Good. I enjoy it more than more than you and the <laughs> listeners. I really do. I enjoy it. So do I, enjoy Father. It. We're going to be inspirational today. I really mean this because we got a young man named Ryan Rabuto, 23-year-old man, uh, was murdered in Washington, D.C. last week uh, by some thugs. Yeah, they uh, came up with a car and they were going to uh, They put a gun at him and said, give me your money. He didn't have any money, so they shot him. And uh, when you hear about his life, it should inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus because this is a young man who had a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, especially in adoration. So he's a great example for us. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Mike Johnson, the House Speaker. Not Catholic, but an on-fire Protestant. I always, I told Father Murr, Father, I feel like I, I hear this man speak about the biblical teachings of the Bible, and I'm like, I have so much in common with him. As a matter of fact, sure. more, I have more in common with Mike Johnson, a Protestant brother, than many of my Catholic friends who have denied biblical teachings. Okay? That's just simple. Well, welcome to the club, Terry. Yeah. And then I want to also, yeah. again, another inspirational person in our lives. We've had him on VMPR several times. Cardinal Zen. And uh, I want to get his take on some things on morality, because here's a 92-year-old man. Father, you're not 92 yet, but this is this Cardinal Zen could be retired. Getting there, Terry. But yeah, I mean, getting there, but yeah. not quite. Right. Yeah. But here's a guy, 92 years old, firing up from both barrels about the faith. It's like he he's a, a young man, and he's just commenting on everything. He's evangelizing. He's introducing people to the person of Christ. That's how I want to go when I'm 92. I, I don't want to retire, and he isn't retiring either. So we'll talk about Cardinal Zen. We got some more good news. <clears throat> the good news is 137 abortion bills were shut down since the Dobbs decision for Roe versus Wade going to the states, and 55,000 babies were born just in Texas because of that, mm. and much, much more. But before we get into <clears throat> all the stories, I love to bring in some soul food, as Jesse calls it, which is the gospel. It's Mark <clears throat> chapter 6, verse 53 to 56. <clears throat> I'll read it, and Father, you could give us our commentary. A reading from the gospel of Mark. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to land at Genesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, People immediately recognized him. They secured about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats or wherever they could. They heard him. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch only the tassel of his cloak. And as many as touched it, they were healed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Praise Jesus. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Your thoughts? Well, I've got a couple thoughts. Uh, first of all, the the the, uh, the miracles that accompanied Jesus in his lifetime. Yeah. Uh, they didn't accompany him. He was responsible for them. Exactly. He, he worked them. Right. Yeah. It's, and uh, and uh, this is also it's one of the the three proofs for the divinity of Christ yeah. were the miracles that he that he. Uh, yep that he brought about, uh, particularly in the sick. It reminds me, you know, remember you had the, uh, 
Didn't you do an interview with the Gonzalez's on their book of Guadalupe? Yes, we did. You're, you have right. a very well, good mind. Well, when one of the things that most uh, that struck me yeah. was when we were I, I talked to the Gonzalez's for for four days, four days about this book. Right? My gosh, uh, that's all we talked about. We were going to talk about other things, but we talked about this book. That's great. And one of the things that that struck me most was listening to the stories after the apparition of Our Lady Guadalupe. Yeah. Listening to the stories of the Indians who walked 250 miles carrying their sick and dying to make sure that they were baptized before they would die. I mean, this is incredible. So this, this, I can, I can see this with, uh, with Christ, people bringing their sick to, to the places where, where he was going to pass by. And there's something else too. Yes. It almost, uh, it almost, uh, uh, it it links to relics. You're going to say, what in the world is he Gotta talking about? I see the about? connection here. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you already? Okay. Look, these 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 people, good, the good Jews who saw in him the Messiah, they saw in him, if not the Messiah yet, they saw in him the, the Son of God in some way. Uh, all They wanted to touch. They wanted to touch. I know I've got it. I have a relic here. I've relics in, in the chapel. Good. One of them is a, a Pius the 10th. Wow. You're uh, blessed. That's one of the great saints. And, and everybody who goes into the chapel wants to touch, wants to kiss. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not just enough that it's there. There has to be a contact made with it. And this is what people wanted with Jesus. It's not that he's just, it's not enough that he's just there as if that weren't enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what we would give to, to 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 be able to just see him, but people wanted to touch him. That's right. And if they couldn't touch him, this is a beautiful, humble definition of the power, his saving power. Mm -hmm. If they could touch the tassel of his cloak, unbelievable. Just just that that would be enough. All right. This is this is that that sense. It's a human sense of of touching. Uh, we do this when we meet. We shake hands. Sure. We touch each other. We shake hands. Sure. Uh, all, I don't think there's a human being with a soul in his heart who doesn't want who doesn't want to kiss a baby yep. when you see a, oh, a, yeah. a, 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 a baby's <laughs> a couple. They're they're also beautiful, they and it's that it's that human part of it, part of us. Yes. So these people are sick and dying, waiting for Christ to walk by them, and and even as they said it with about the apostles later on with Saint Peter, if 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 his shadow just passed over us right, are they, right. these are the beautiful yep. things any sort of a presence like that so this is this is talking about the power of christ's presence presence that's beautiful beautiful uh, it is Very beautiful. Strong. thank you father father today's the feast of saint agatha i know you spent time in italy she's an italian uh saint and one of the most highly venerated virgin martyrs in the catholic church it is believed that she was born around 231 way before us and either in Cantina or Palermo, Sicily, to rich and noble families. I'm putting you on the spot. What do you know about St. Agatha being in Italy? I assume that she was a great saint for the Italian Catholics. Your thoughts? A great saint and a great martyr. Mm -hmm. That's right. A young woman who was, who was martyred. And, uh, and also, I've got, a, I've, got, I've got a story for you. Oh, I love and if, for anybody For anybody who's gone to Rome, they've certainly gone to Piazza Navona. Mm-hmm. 
with you've got the 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 uh, Bernini uh, statues of the of the of the of the four rivers and this and the other. One of the statues, and and I loved here. I loved any time I was there. I would hear tour guides giving this tour. Yeah, there's the Church of Saint Agatha. Okay. Boy, I better be right on that. Am I right on that? I think so. Yes. Yes, the Church of St. Agatha is in the center of the square, in the center of Piazza Montnavona. And the Four Rivers Fountain of Bernini has these four rivers represented by represented in the in the, the shape of, uh, of human beings. And one is going like this, and another like that. Yeah. And, and every tour guide tells you they're doing that because the 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 church of saint agatha was so horrible it wasn't in the bernini style oh that's and bernini funny is right well I, I i i i would say i would listen to this yeah and i would always ask at the end could you tell me could you tell me the year that the church was built and the year that the fountains were built and it's just the other way around the fountains were there long before the church was built <laughs> <laughs> i said i said that probably couldn't be it right ah, we've got yeah, you're off by about a hundred years, but the 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 point of Saint Agatha and all of the all of the 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 people that we have the great special people that we have mentioned in the Roman canon, yeah, make make her almost apostolic. They yeah. make they make her and 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 uh, Saint Lucy, uh, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, yes, all of them, all of them uh, apostolic witnesses to Christ, the first martyrs. Who gave their life during the during the many of them during Diocletian's uh, reign of terror and Nero also. Beautiful. These are these are the, the the saints that you know when when I hear people talking and people are asking an awful lot of questions today. Yeah. You hear it, Terry. Yeah. I hear it all the time. Why are we in such horrible times? And look at the state of the church. Mm -hmm. You want a horrible state of the church? Look at the state of the church in those days. Oh yeah. Where everyone was running, uh, hide, hiding, and 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 uh, uh, they, no one could profess his his or her faith wow. uh, out. They were killed, dragged, or put into prisons, sold into slavery. It was a horrible, horrible times, and these people endured. So, what we're being asked to endure, if you will, is really not that big a deal. Well, it's really not that big a deal. We can do it. We can do it. If they could do it, and there are examples that the church puts up for us. We can certainly do it. Absolutely. When we come back from the break, we're going to get Bishop Sheen to give us some insight on loving. And this is a very important topic because we're going to be talking next segment about Ryan Rabuto, who worked with the Capuchin Fathers as a volunteer and did all kinds of corporal works of mercy his whole life. And he was murdered in Washington, D.C. after coming back from adoration. And uh, it's a great story in this sense. This man lived the fullest of the gospel. And, you know, um, I bet if he met those people who shot him, they said here that he would have loved them. That's why I'm going to use a quote from Fulton Sheen. You don't have to like people, but you love people. There you go. There you go. Stay with us, family. We're too blessed to be stressed. And we're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. This segment is going to be brought to you by Tan Books. So go to vmpr.org and click on the Tan Books logo to shop for all your Catholic book needs shops. 
uh, TAM books by clicking the logo on your website, vmpr.org. For example, the book I'm reading from TAN, Persecuted from Within, Joshua Charles. I'm going to be interviewing him later next week about that book. It's an inspirational book. The saints are always inspirational. I mean, but there's <laughs> the interesting thing about the saints is there's very few saints that haven't been punished by the church. <laughs> because it's they're, True. it's they're, because True. they live the authentic Catholic faith, and many people in the church are like, you're making me feel uncomfortable. Stop it. All right, let's bring in the smartest guy into the room right now. Paul Sheen ahead. He says about loving, he says, you may not like somebody, but you can still love them because love is a duty. It is good for your soul, and it also glorifies God. If you do an injury to someone you do not like, you will dislike him still more. <laughs> if you do a favor to someone you do not like, you will love him more. This man, he's a master of psychology too, Father Murr. I mean, you've taken some. There's no, there's no question. I think, I think that's what, that's one of the things that attracted so many people to him. Uh, when, when we were uh, when we were studying uh, uh, Aquinas, yeah. uh, Aquinas has rational psychology, mm -hmm. rational psychology, not irrational psychology. Yeah, <laughs> rational psychology, and and Sheen was a master of rational psychology. Yeah, uh, he he pulled out psychology from from philosophical and theological uh, conclusions. Yeah. brilliant, brilliant, and they made so much sense. You know, Terry. Tell me, Father. This is this is this is uh, uh, again the example my my uh, I give of my mother. Yes. Which I think is the greatest. Sure. And she said it this way. She said it this way: the difference between liking and loving. And I I, I know I've said this on this I, program. I love it. No, it's times, important. But I'm going to say it again. Yeah, please do. She said. She said to me one time. She said, "I have seven children." I love this. I love, I love all seven. Yeah. Two I like. <laughs> I know this is a great story. <laughs> it's true. Right? That's the difference. That's the difference. You have to love them because they're yours. Yeah. There's no way of not loving them. But you don't have to like them. Right. And so often, more and more often than not, especially non-believers, people who don't want to believe. Yeah. Not just non-believers, people who, who choose not to believe. Yeah. They say, "How can you love your enemies? That's that's stupid. You can't love somebody you hate." Right. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You you can't like them. Right. And and nobody's asking you to like them. That's right. They're, most of most of most of my enemies I find repulsive. So I'm, I don't like. I'm with them. you, I'm with you. But I do, but I but I do love them. And if they would ever ask me for a favor, believe me. Absolutely. And some of them have. They have it. Yeah, in my you know, book. It's, 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 it's that simple. But you have to make a distinction between those two verbs. You know, I it's agree a very important distinction. Otherwise, it sounds, it sounds fantastic or just plain silly. And your enemy doesn't have any clue when you love them, when they know you're their enemy. And, you know, I have a line in my book, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone. I said this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I'll just yeah. give one little quick story, and then we'll move on to this story. I had a gentleman uh, back in 1976, uh, worked for my brother. My brother died of cancer at age 22. He had a, a, a magazine company and a marketing company. He was a very extraordinary young man for his lifetime. He had 
10 or 11 stereo shops. He was a businessman and very good at it. But then he got cancer. And his manager took tens of thousands of dollars back in 1976, which was a lot of money back then, uh, and stole it out of the bank. Terry, I've, Terry I've, got a, I've got news for you. Some of us still think it is. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm inflation. I'm, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's cute. But it was a lot of money back then. And, and it, uh, he, my brother was on his back dying from cancer, and this guy stole the money. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, what a, what a bad man that is. Well, a year yep. later, I was down in downtown L.A. working the soup kitchen. And who do I run into? That very man who stole all that money from my brother. And I saw him, and I hugged him, and I said, hey. And I said, his name. I won't say his name, but I, I, said, I called him by name. I said, how are you? And he looked at me and was like stunned that, you know, first of all, I recognized him. Second of all, I wasn't hitting him or yelling at him or doing something bad. I hugged him. I said, come on, we got some soup for you. And he says, you, you, you're not mad at me? I said, I'm, you know what? I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, honestly, I said I was disappointed. Yeah, be, be right. You no, know, I was yeah. honest with him. But I said, I want to um, serve you. I said, uh, you know, I, I see you're down and out now. And... Um, you know, we got some soup here, and and I hugged him, and uh, he he was stunned. Now, here's the point: he didn't expect me to do that. Why? Because he thought I would have the reaction he would think he would have. Yes. U S O B or whatever. Get out of here. Yes. No. Yeah. So people, uh, kindness, the hidden power of kindness, and this kind of leads me right into the story from the National Catholic Register: a Catholic volunteer killed on his way home from adoration. Um, this young man. Ryan Real Buuto um, was working a, a one-year volunteer with the Capuchin Franciscan Volunteer Corps, where he was, you know, doing the soup kitchen, repairing. I mean, he just did all kinds of things. He was repairing the sisters' convent. Uh, I mean, in other words, he was kind of like a Saint Joseph. The guy could, you know, work with his hands. And he was only twenty-three years old, um, and he was just one generous soul. And um, his mother. Uh, obviously was devastated because, you know, he's gone now, but she said that he just cared deeply for people. He would not have harmed any other, any person. She said he had this infectious smile, you know, like, can I help you? And, you know, I've been saying this for years. A smile is a small form of enthusiasm. I get this when I play, when I go to the park with my grandchildren, I get into conversations because they see this guy with this big smile on his face and, and, and saying, God bless you. Hey, good to see you. You know, and, and they all want to talk to me. I mean, I was at some bounce house Monday where the kids are bouncing on these things. And this uh, sergeant. What is, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, what is a bounce house? Bounce house is for little kids. They go on this little, uh, it's like a styrofoam, like a bed. And you jump on it. Oh, jump okay. It okay. Okay. I call it a bounce house. Yes. Yes. So yeah. uh, there was a sheriff. No, it was a sergeant, LAPD lady. And um, we were talking. And uh, next thing I know, she's now downloading the VMPR web uh, app for listening to Catholic radio. And she, she's Good. because Great. of all the cops that are involved with our work. My point to you is a smile is something that we need to do more of and show people that you're a happy camper. Because let's be honest, Father, you know this. In the culture we're in, they, people look like they're like prunes. I mean, they're so devastated by cultural yeah. living right now. They they can't. They have. They they're like in a lot. They're lost. So when they see someone smiling, it's a good thing. Now, 
This young man was from Pittsford, New York. And I don't know if you know where Pittsford, I have no, but probably upstate New York. Um, I think it's upstate. Yep, yep. Not sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, the night he went to adoration, and it's kind of interesting. He sounds like a little traditional Catholic because he went to a Latin mass before the adoration. Every, um, uh, what he would do is he would go to a Latin mass and then he'd have it followed with a Eucharistic holy hour. <laughs> and confessions would be there. Sounds to me like this young man was living yeah. his faith. You think? He, he's got it. He's yeah, got it. He's got it. And yep. so um, the the interesting thing, the robbers uh, just said, you know, give me your money. And because he didn't have any money, they just shot him. And uh, the other brother was there. They tried to put um, pressure on his stomach, but, you know, he, he died. And um, he lasted, I think, nine hours at the hospital. But I, I'm, I bet... If if he lived, he would have forgiven those men, and he would have told them, "I forgive you." For it me. sounds like it, doesn't yeah, it? Because he has a track like record it, for yeah. that. Yeah, and and right. I and I see his picture here. Um, now he had challenges. He he at his parish, he was in youth ministry. He sang in the choir. He served as an altar boy. I mean, you know, I mean, this guy was involved in his faith, and many of the people said that he was just the guy that if there needed to be something done. Uh, they just would ask, you know, he would be the guy that would just go and do it. And um, he said this, he understood what it means to be like Jesus by serving other people. Everybody was made in the image and likeness of God, and that's how he was going to live his life. A very biblical outlook. Beautiful, um, beautiful. I, I can't say enough about him. He inspired me, and I hope he inspires our listeners to serve. at. Because you know what? Bishop Sheen said it this way, and life is worth living. Who is my neighbor? The one in need. The person right. who's in need. Go serve. And this is the message that came to me. Let's go serve somebody. Like, even if it's just um, someone you run into and say, hey, uh, um, you can serve them by just saying, how are you? What's your name? Frank, how you doing? People are like, well, you gave me dignity because you called me by name. Because nobody, nobody talks to me. So... I just wanted you to know, Terry. Yeah. Let me let me just jump in jump here in. to tell you to tell you a quick story, which I, I that I think you already know. Yeah. About Saint Teresa, uh, Saint Teresa of Lisieux. Uh, how old was she when she died? Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah, similar. That's right. Twenty three. All right. Well, when she died, after she died, they read her diary. Right. Right. Yes. Of course. And. Well, the Mother Superior was reading her diary. Some of the sisters also asked to be able to read it. Oh, yeah. You know? Yes. Well, well, one of the sisters was absolutely shocked in this convent, a cloistered convent, because in her diary, St. Teresa, Teresa had, had written how difficult it was to accept this particular sister. Oh, yeah. She was a pill. She was a real pill. I do. A real pill. And it cost her so much. To... Well, this sister was devastated. She thought that St. Teresa was her best friend. Yep. Yep. Wasn't that, that, it? Uh, yeah. Wasn't that? Now, that's that. I mean, this is, this is, she thought the saint was her best friend. That's awesome. And um, when, she, when she found out the truth that her, that her best friend could hardly stand being in her company. Yeah. But, but she knew how to love. Yes. And, and if this I, is the distinction, yeah. Right? And if I can re jump in back at you, what I noticed in that story about the little flower, even when there was a sister that had the rosary and she would hit the pew and make noise with her rosary, 
it irritated the little flower to a point where it, it affected her oh. meditation, right? Okay, she's human. How did she handle that? You know what she did? Because it's in her writings. She said, okay, I'm going to offer that for the poor souls in purgatory. And that inconvenience of hearing her do the rosary banging, I'm going to just say, Jesus, I give it to you. I just thought that was so beautiful because so many of us have, do we have anybody who irritates us? Uh, you think? And you see, when we have a supernatural view, like you just Terry, said, Terry, Terry, do you think we irritate anybody? No. Are you kidding me? I'm in <laughs> you trouble. It works both ways. Oh, right? yeah. You can say that again. Oh, boy. I, yeah. So, so true. So the little flower story is very powerful for all of us in the little way. And, you know, um, I would encourage anybody to pick up the story of the soul. It's a great, great little read. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the house speaker, Mike Johnson, and what happened to him in 1972 when his parents conceived him and they were not married. Stay with us, and then Cardinal was then. We're going to talk about him. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Burst sitting in. It's a Monday. And I wanted to give a contrast of pro-life people in government. We have our president, Joe Biden, a baptized Catholic, who just yesterday said we need to codify Roe versus Wade so that future uh, Supreme Court decisions won't undermine the killing of innocent life. Now, he didn't say it that way, but that's what he basically he's promoting. God have mercy on that man. Now, that's, that's someone who I pray for daily, okay, because he should know better. Now, the other side is a Protestant <laughs> who actually understands the sanctity of life. It's House Speaker Mike Johnson. He said, my parents were teenagers when I was born a year before Roe versus Wade. He told the EWTN uh, on television that um, often we talk about the unborn, which is certainly important because we believe as he says, that, uh, that life, the value of life from the moment of conception is because the Creator has given us that life. Johnson said, I mean, this guy gets it, Father Murr. He said, this is an important thing to support mothers who in times of crisis, unplanned situations, to support families, to support them all the way through pregnancy. Uh, he said, we need to foster the children's system so that a lot of work can be due to build a culture of life. Johnson said Congress has a role to play in protecting the pro-life community from attacks. In the aftermath of the Roe versus Wade, many pregnancy resource centers were victimized by arson attacks and acts of vandalism. This man gets it, Father Murr. He's not Catholic, but he's an on-fire biblical Protestant who understands that the rights that he works with do not come from the state. They come from God. He talks later in that point. And so I just want to say thank you, uh, Mr. Johnson, for speaking up for the unborn. Your thoughts on that, Father? What a novel idea that, that our rights don't come from the Democrat Party or the Republican <laughs> no. Party. Wow, that's that's wonderful. That's yeah. great. Great news, that is. Yeah. You know, Father? Now, the, uh, yeah. the, you know, I, I've got to tell you, in, in all of this confusion yeah. that we're tell me. living through these days. Tell me. This is going to sound a little bit crazy, but I'm going to say it. I don't think I've ever in my life felt closer to my Protestant brothers and sisters than, than recently. Oh, yeah. Because 
what we're all saying when we have to examine any papal uh, statements or any documents coming out of Rome or what, it all comes down to what does sacred scripture have to say to that? Amen. Sacred scripture, tradition, and the magisterium, right? Well, this is this, when we look into sacred scripture, it's fantastic. It's fantastic how much we have in common with with uh, yep. with Protestants. It really is. And it's refreshing yep. to learn that, to, to know it personally. I uh, agree. Yes, yes, I've heard a lot of their a lot of their arguments, and they're the, they're our same arguments. That it's not something new, right. but it's it's refreshing to hear the same thing coming from other from other uh, channels and you know, other places. Father, I'm going to throw you a curveball from what you just said. Maybe think of something. I read about how the Holy See is collaborating with the Church of England. We call them Anglicans, and the Anglicans mm -hmm. have just gone way out with, you know, the ordaining of homosexuals and women's ordination. And the Catholic Church for years has been reaching out to try to do an ecumenical outreach. But what I'm seeing, Father, from what I just read, that they're allowing the Anglican Church bishops to come into St. Paul's outside the walls of Rome and have their own liturgy, which is not a mass. They, they have, so Pope Leo XIII made that clear back at the, in the 1890s that the, the, they, they forgot about the sacrifice aspect, so there's no mass. But it seems like we're reaching out over to the top when it went on this ecumenism to say, let's forget about what we actually believe because it's more important that we all just have, you know, to get along. And I find that very reprehensible for me as a layman saying that, why are you compromising to a point of the truth just to say, well, we can, you know, because I, I also have read, Father, and you correct me right on the air, I read that they're trying to come up with some kind of liturgy that would be a good for our Protestant brothers, and Catholics could also accept it, and it would just be the watering down of the liturgy to a point where there'd be no Mass. Well, Terry, Terry, I hope they make great, great strides in that, and I hope they accomplish it soon. So we can get so we can get established what the Catholic Church is again. Amen. Right. Uh, this is this is if they want they want to do something like that, that's fine. I, I, I the the thing is, I've got I'm very selfish, Terry. I've yeah. got to admit it. Yeah. I say my Latin mass, that's the right. mass, every day. Yeah. And pray for pray for everybody in Rome yeah. that that God illuminate them and continue on my way. Yeah. But I, but they are watering down everything and they're losing everything yeah. themselves. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to accomplish. I've got something else to tell you, yeah. I, and, I, and I mean this sincerely. Why don't you really tell me what you think? I will. <laughs> uh, I have no real plans of going to Rome soon. But if I did, I don't think I could step inside of St. Peter's Basilica. Wow. Until until it was reconsecrated after the Pachamama I understand. sacrilege. I, I, I mean that. You. I mean that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm serious. Mm -hmm. And the, the other thing that they're doing with ecumenism, we all want ecumenism. Sure. But you know what? We also walked away from those closest to us ecumenically. Yes. We we did some real we did some real uh harm to our relationship with the Orthodox. That's for sure. The Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, the oh, yeah. Serbian Orthodox, all of the Orthodox sure. communities with this with this blessing, with the Pachamama oh, yeah. thing, with the with, these people are, are they, they, they look at us and they say, what, what, what in the, why would we want to be part of a sacrilegious body? Exactly. No, and they've it's got really, a great Really, point. truly. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's a terrible thing because those were the people that we were, we were most, 
we were closest to. Yes. And we've, we've alienated them to a great degree. I agree. Let's shift gears to Cardinal Zen, one of my heroes of the Catholic Church. He's 92 years great old. Uh, he great warns man. of error in the fiducial supplicants, calls for Cardinal Fernandez to resign. I said that on the Terry and Jesse show. <laughs> As I said, I think he should resign because he, he he's supposed to be the gatekeeper for the congregation of the faith, and he's written pornographic books. I mean, I don't see that being consistent. I think he should resign too, but I'm not a cardinal. So guess what? It doesn't make headlines. But Cardinal Zan... Well, I'll, go, I'll go you one better, Terry. Okay. I, thought he would, I thought he should have resigned before he took the job. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because we know where he's... And, and you know what's interesting? Are you the one who told me, do you know what his degree is in? Moral theology. <laughs> is that, is that, I mean, that made me laugh. I had the same reaction you have right there. I was laughing. I said, you got to be kidding me. Who taught him his moral theology? Dude? Fire them! <laughs> All right. Cardinal Zen joined the voices of opposing this document, uh, writing on his personal website just last week. The uh, retired bishop of Hong Kong issued his response. He said this. He emphasizes the need to avoid confusion, but the blessing encouraged by the statement do in fact create confusion wrote Cardinal Zen. And he expressed a particular outrage over Fernandez's comments that sexual behavior in the same relations has its goodness and that it can progress and grow. You know, sodomy? I'm sorry. Someone, what? <laughs> Zen pointed out the similarities between this and Pope Francis's answer to the card, five cardinals dubia. The pontiff re replied favorably comparing marriage to homosexual sexual love. Okay, that's not even close. I said, this is an absolute subjective error. According to objective truth, see how precise, he's using good language to really, you know, objective truth that behavior is a grave sin and can never be good, wrote Zen. If the prefect of the congregation of the doctrine of faith is committing a heresy by claiming a serious sin is good, then shouldn't the prefect resign or be dismissed? Either one. I would say yes. Your thoughts? I mean, what is there to think? What do you think? You absolutely. Yeah. And no, no, no. The, the, man, the man is absolutely correct because uh, what he's saying stands to reason. Yeah. It's, sim it's simple reason. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I read more about what he says about, you know, he criticizes Fernandez. Remember what Our Lady of Akita said? Cardinals are going to be... Arguing among cardinals. Here's a good example, right? Cardinals against cardinal, bishops against bishops. Yes. Yep. He criticized Fernandez's text for, for not showing how to act in a manner of true pastoral love. I like that, pastoral love, since such would involve calling upon homosexual couples to abandon a sinful lifestyle. Whatever happened, we've been reading the Gospel of Mark and this cycle. Repent and believe in the Gospel. No, we can't tell people that. You know, see... This guy has a biblical worldview. Zen highlighted that although F.S. mentions homosexual couples who ask for a blessing may also ask for the grace and the strength of God to embrace them to do God's will fully. See, that's such a weak statement. Are you kidding me? Someone living in a sodomy and you're going to tell them, oh yeah, embrace God's will fully. The document adds that the priest is not supposed to examine them to see if they have such a, an intention. Really? That's not love. You know what, Bishop? You know what Father, Father Bill Casey always said, Father Murr? The most merciless thing you can do to someone is let them wallow in their sin. 
And that's exactly what they're doing. They don't love that person because they're not calling him to Christ and they're not calling him to a life uh, uh, that's centered on Jesus and obeying the commandments. As, as the gospel says, if you love me, you'll keep the commandments. It's like it's it's like the uh, Major Schultz, wasn't it in, in Hogan's here? Oh, I remember. I know nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. Yeah. I don't want to know anything. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. This, this is this is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. it is, and you know, Father, you're you're right. But it's ridiculous. But it's it just goes to show you that um, we've come to a point where we don't want to judge anybody. To a point where we are abusing people by telling them whatever you want to do. If it feels good, do it. Yes, we have this ideal, but you know, don't worry about it. You're fine. Can you imagine what we we Catholics call the sins of omission? Meaning, that Harry, I don't, I don't have to imagine. I've I've had to live with priests like that in the same really, country. really. Yes, it's it's Not it's easy. just it's it's terrible because you're telling people one thing and then they hear another thing from from a, from a, from a confrere. Yeah, it's a uh, it's very discouraging. It's very discouraging, very confusing, confusing people. Wow. Uh, also for us. Also for us. It's yeah, it is. Stay with us. I've got some way. more good news on the abortion clinics and how many are closing and uh, how to how to uh, continue to fight the good fight with our faith and never compromise the truth of the gospel. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin most powerful radio back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Father Murr here. It's a Monday morning on the Terry and Jesse Show. This segment is brought to you by Charity Mobile. When shopping for a phone company, why not choose the one that's pro-life? Call 877-474-3662 and mention Virgin most powerful radio. They support us here at our network, and it'll be a good thing for you to support the pro-life um, network. All right, good news. 137 abortion mills shut down since the Dobbs uh, overturn, and um, so that's really good. Um, we, uh, we know this, and this is kind of interesting. A headline, Camilla Harris, who's the vice president, blames Trump for reversing Roe versus Wade. Um, women are silently suffering without abortion. That's her line. Uh, well, I think she's right because President Trump picked three Supreme Court justices that supported what we were wanting to do for life. So I, I think she got that one right. I'm un it's unfortunate that she is so uh, hell-bent on killing unborn babies. It's just I, I pray for people like that. Um, Father Murr, I wanted to shift back to Fulton Sheen right now on the Life of Christ book in this last segment. And we were talking about John the Baptist. And if, if we ever need a John the Baptist today, uh, <laughs> boy, do we need a John the Baptist to no. you know, prepare us for the gospel. <clears throat> but here's what Bishop Sheen had to say about John. Uh, was living in solitude in the desert, clothed in camel's hair, with leather girdle about his loins. His food consisted of locusts and wild honey. His costume was probably meant to resemble that of Elias, who, whose spirit John was to go before Christ, since he preached mortification. Can you imagine someone preaching mortification in the church today? They'd throw him out. 
<clears throat> he practiced it also. If he was to prepare for Christ, <clears throat> he must also invoke a penitential consciousness of sin. John was a severe ascetic, moved by a deep conviction of sin in the world. Boy, do we need someone like that today. <clears throat> the heart of his message to soldiers, to public officials, farmers, and anyone who would listen to him was to repent, right? And believe in the gospel. That's the gospel message. <clears throat> the first note of his warning in the New Testament tells all men to change. The Sadducees must lay aside their worldliness <clears throat> and the Pharisees their hypocrisy and self-righteousness. All who come to Christ must repent. Father Murr, this is a message today we need more than ever. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's a question of all or nothing at all. There you go. All or nothing at all. Yeah, it's 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 that. And what what, what unfortunately we've been trying to do for for a long time, mm -hmm. probably since the beginning of Christianity, to be truthful. Yeah. Because there have always been people who are saying, well, don't worry about that. Don't worry about this. Worry about this other thing. Yeah. Uh, that without with without the fullness, John the Baptist was, as our Lord Himself said, "There is no greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist." Yeah. Right. So after Jesus Christ Himself, born of an extraordinary woman without sin, yeah. the Virgin Mary, is John the Baptist, who actually took the message of he took the message of Christ before before knowing Christ. Yes. I mean, before really before knowing the message of Christ, what I love to, what I love to is is can you see this, Terry? You're just talking about the unborn. Yeah. You're talking about the unborn. Sure. And the and the, and the dignity of the unborn yeah. and the preciousness of them. When the Blessed Virgin and her cousin Elizabeth meet, this is beautiful. The Gospel says John Elizabeth noted yeah. notices. Uh, Elizabeth said, no sooner did your words come to me when the child, John the Baptist, in my womb leapt yep. for joy. Exactly. Can you imagine? In the womb, Beautiful. leaping for joy. Beautiful. Yeah. Can you imagine? The, the, she had no idea. It was just a clump of cells. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> testimony to our dignity of the human person again. Uh, Father, <clears throat> Bishop Sheen talks about with the country under Roman yoke, it would have been more certain route to popularity for John to promise that the one who was to come, the one whom he announced, would be a political liberator. They were hoping for that, sure. right? Yes. Yes. That would have been the way of men, but instead of a call to arms, John gave a call to reparation for sin. Oh my gosh. And well, John, you know, here, here's the thing, Terry. Me, here's the me. thing. It's really, it's really quite clear. Okay. John is talking to the uh, John is talking to the Jews who considered themselves, in a in a real sense, slaves to the Romans. All right, now the Romans didn't take them back, not too often, but they did. They took them back, some of them back to Rome to be house slaves. Yes. And teachers and what have you. However, they were under the dominion of Rome. Well, what they failed to see was that was just that was just a, a, a for example. Yeah, they were under the dominion of sin. They were slaves to sin. 
They were slaves to their own to their own passions, to their own whims, and to their only own religious concoctions. Yes, that's what John came. That's what John came to correct. Yes, well said. They didn't want. They didn't want that. They wanted to be freed from the slavery of Rome, and 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 they they, they missed the whole boat. They missed yeah, the whole boat. They did, and and Rome and Rome Rome contested that in the year seventy. Really, by destroying the entire yeah. city. Yep. There, there. It's all done. Great point. Bishop Sheen quotes Luke chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, when he says, Who was it that taught you, brood of vipers, to flee from the vengeance that draws near? Come then, yield the acceptable fruit of repentance. Do not think to say we have Abraham for our father. I tell you, God has power to raise up children of, to Abraham and out of these very stones. So, you know this many centuries before Isaiah had foretold that the Messiah would be present would be preceded by a messenger. Say this was all foretold, and here it is, Mark chapter one. Behold, I am sending before you the the face of an angel of mine, who is to prepare thy way before thee. There is a voice of one crying in the wilderness: Prepare the way of the Lord, straighten out. His paths. That's Mark chapter one. I, when I when I read that in the gospel, how we say that we need a John the Baptist right now. <laughs> Your thoughts? No, this is this is exactly it. So our Lord had this greatest of all prophets. This is the last of the prophets yeah. who announced Christ, who announced the Messiah, and this is the the this is the last one. This is the greatest. Of all of those who have who have predicted and talked about the coming of the Messiah, who would redeem Israel, redeem Israel from what? From the Romans? No, from their own sins, exactly. and have their hearts turned toward God again. This is the whole theme of the Old Testament, right? God, and and as a, as and as a as an example of their slavery to sin, God permitted them to be slaves of the Egyptians. There you go. The Babylonians, <laughs> yes, but the real slave—the real slavery belongs to man who is a slave to sin. And John the Baptist came and announced that quite explicitly, yeah. and he had the he had the honor of announcing Christ. No other prophet had that. That's so the others announced Christ was coming. Christ was coming. The Messiah is coming. But John the Baptist said, "Here he is. This is him," and signaled him. And I don't want to jump too far ahead because we're going to get to that point. But look what happened to John the Baptist for his preaching. Yes. He lost his head. Yes. And yes. In, in one sense, I'm going to tie this back to us as Christians that we really do have to be willing to die to self. Not Many of us aren't going to die martyrs, okay? I get that. But many of us can die dry, dry, dry martyrs in the sense that um, we don't go along with the culture and people are going to persecute us for not being with the program. And I want to speak to the young people who are listening. Uh, always look at Christ as our model and not worry about what other people are going to say because other people are going to say to you, and as this young man that was murdered, he was living his Catholic faith with adoration and confession and living and serving people in need. And I'm sure some people said, well, what a waste for that young man. I mean, go, go back to school, go get a job, do, make something of yourself. 
But what he did for those 23 years, from what I've read about him, is he spent his whole time serving other people. And this is what we're called to do. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle of service and saying, what can I do to help somebody? What can I do to serve God's people? So I think uh, this is a, a nice way of ending. Father, before we call the show over, I love to promote some of the books that you have been writing and some of the ones that have been translated into Italian. Give us an update on what's happening with your books. I have the the uh, the, uh, the book just the book Thirty Murder in the Thirty Third Degree yeah. came out in Italian about uh, two months ago. I've done some interviews with it on Italian television and inter- and, and uh, YouTube, and now they it's it's selling quite well. I told you, didn't I tell you that that it, it sold out in Rome? Ah, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Good. I, I, I'm. I, I hope. I hope a number of people in the Vatican have, have read it and are reading it, and that they get to Pope Francis. Yeah. And repeat and repeat my petition that he make public the Gagnon report. Yeah. Oh yeah. 1978, because that that would put so much to light. It would show exactly where the, where the, where 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 we were headed in 1978 yep. and where we've arrived today. Then uh, I got a I got a call from the same uh, uh, editors yep. publishing house sure. that did the book in Italian, yeah. and they asked to they asked to print and publish the the Godmother of uh, Mother Pasqualina Excellent. in Italian. So th- that's good too. It was, it was so it's good. It's all good. It's all good. Don't you have it in Polish also? The, Polish, Croatian, yes. Hungarian. Yes. yes, it's just going all over. Yeah. It, somebody just somebody just. Uh, uh, called the other day to uh, offer uh, uh, to, to translate it in French, awesome. which, which I would like yeah. very much, but we're getting there. Go to uh, charlesmurr.com, pick up any of his books there. I want to thank Father for joining us again to talk about... Thank you, Terry, for having me, oh. now and always. We love it. How about a priestly blessing, Father Murr? Absolutely. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus Pater, Filius et Spiritus Santos. Amen. Amen. God thank bless, you. Terry. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, Father. And folks, you can get this on our podcast to send it to your friends if you enjoyed the show, which I th- I sure did. And that's how we spread our message. We want to get it. Go to Full Sheen Ahead on our YouTube channel. We're growing like leaps and bounds there. <clears throat> and I want to encourage you to go to CatholicRC.org also for our downloads. Quite a bit of catechetical teaching. I want to thank you for supporting us here at Virgin most powerful radio. May God richly bless you and your family and keep keep supporting what we're doing because it's all about the salvation of souls. Remember, souls are saved, everything is saved.